Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. Here we are for the first episode of 2019, episode 21, with the one and only DJ Bradley James. How are you today? Good, Chris. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Thank it. you for waking up nice and early for this one. <laughs> not too early. Early for a DJ, but not early in the grand scheme of things. So what's a typical day like for you? Typical day for me? That's a great question. Every day um, is very, very different. Um, some days can be very relaxing, which I like because that's kind of um, an effect of, of owning your own business and, and kind of working when you want to work. And some days can be absolutely jam-packed. So um, there can be days where I'm just kind of, you know, put in three or four hours of really good work on my computer, replying to quote requests and working on mixes and downloading music and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then there's days where I'm running from event to event to event um, from, you know, eight in the morning to 2 a.m., 2.30 a.m. the next uh, the next morning. So, um yeah, it, it really can look like anything. And I have, uh, I'm sure as we'll get into, I have kind of my, my hands in a lot of different things. So um, sometimes that keeps me quite busy. Totally. Yeah. Um, let's go back to your high school years. What, what kind of a high school kid were you? I was an athlete mostly. Um, I, I was someone where high school came quite easily academically for me. Like I never really had to study hard or work hard or anything like that, which you, it's a story that you hear all the time. And then you hit university and it's a huge wake up call. And that was kind of the story for me. Um, so high school was, was not to say that I'm like the brightest person in the world, but it came pretty easily to me. I was on honors roll, that kind of thing. Um, but I, but I never, I think I went home right after school, maybe like three times in my whole three years of, of high school, I was always had a practice or a game or something and I was involved in, in sports and, and extracurricular um, throughout throughout high school. Um, and I found that really rewarding. Yeah. What kind of sports did you play? Uh, in, in high school, I played basketball, volleyball. I did track. I did badminton. Um, and I think think that was probably it and then I played sports outside of school as well I played baseball um I think that would probably be it yeah so so pretty pretty busy um basketball and volleyball being the main things basketball being my favorite volleyball kind of being like all the basketball guys just played volleyball uh in the off season to to do something and be together and 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 have the camaraderie and play sport but um, yeah, basketball was the love for sure. So are you like Edmontonian born and raised or did you grow up somewhere outside of Edmonton? Born in Edmonton, uh, and then was here up until the sixth grade halfway. That's an absolute lie. <laughs> no, absolute lie. I was born in Edmonton, was here until second grade. Uh, halfway through second grade, my dad got transferred to a uh, head office in Toronto for, for his work. So we moved out to Ontario. Um, we lived in Oakville, just outside of Toronto, for almost four years. Uh, and then the cool thing was that I was able to come back to the same elementary school that I was in uh, in grade six. My my dad left that job and, and took a job back in Edmonton. Uh, and so I was able to kind of reconnect with old friends and go back to the same school. And it was kind of an easy transition back into uh, into life, uh, moving twice in, in four years as a, as a kid. So uh, that was nice. And then I went with all those same friends to, to junior high and high school um, uh, and university at the U of A. And then after... Uh, after university, I've uh, I've been some back and forth. I've lived in Toronto a little bit, just with um, relationships and 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 some jobs and and stuff like that. I've been a little bit back and forth, but Edmonton's been my main home over the over the last uh, over my lifetime. How would you describe like living in the Toronto area in comparison to Edmonton? Um, very different. Mostly, the biggest thing for me would be. Um, 
I mean, as a kid, you don't really get it because you're just, I was living in like a suburb, like it would have been like a kind of a St. Albert type thing, right? Like, so I was just, I was friends with the kids on my street and we played ball hockey and, and whatever, right? Um, but going back as an adult um, was one really interesting because I got to relive a lot of those um, things I did as a kid, like going into the city for a Raptors game or a, or a, or a Blue Jays game or something and do that as an adult and kind of see um, how special that is after, after living in Edmonton for a long time where that... Um, that level of of energy and stuff doesn't really exist. It's not quite as big of a city. Um, but the biggest difference for me was obviously it's 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 much bigger. There's always a lot more going on, which is really exciting. But the downfall, I think, was that people aren't quite as as friendly and open as they are uh, here. We take it for granted. Um, Western Canada and, and especially Albertans, I believe, are very very open and, and they don't really have like those blinders up. And I think people know they're in, in other parts of, in bigger cities, I guess, in other parts of the, of the country and the world, um, they, they, they're all in their own little bubble. They all have everything, everything going on, which makes sense. You can't be, you know, open to every single person and worried about their things or whatever. And, um, you kind of just have to have your blinders on and be focused on you or you're going to kind of get left in the dust a little bit. Um, whereas here, you know, people are happy to let someone onto the bus in front of them or hold the door for somebody or take that extra minute. Because if you do that, you know, you're not going to, it's, it's not crazy enough life that you're going to get left behind. Um, and that's just my theory as to why it exists, but, um, it's definitely, uh, just a more friendly kind of, um, open, um, vibe that I get in Alberta versus uh, in bigger cities like Toronto and, and even Vancouver when I visit there. And it's cool to think about because like in the last few years I've seen so many people from like our fitness industry make the move from Edmonton to Toronto mm-hmm. and like usually it's just them on their own and I'm thinking like oh what a culture shock hey like oh yeah absolutely I can only imagine <clears throat> having to completely make new friends and sort of come up with your new routine yeah. where you're going to go to like a lot of these people are moving for studios or for work like mm-hmm. fitness related mm-hmm. so they kind of have like a start to, to their foundation they probably have like their studio that they left for or like their their career that they left for but then mm-hmm. they have to build all those other blocks yeah it was super weird growing up um with like a mat like edmonton small right like everyone knows everyone <clears throat> excuse me everybody knows each other um you have this massive friend group. You've never really had the pressure of making new friends. And then to make a move as like an 18, 19 year old who like has never had the pressure of making new friends in their like kind of adult life uh, was definitely different. And it was a cool experience um, because I went there not really knowing anybody. I was in a relationship, um, didn't even live with the person that I was in a relationship with. So I was kind of just like on my own. Uh, had a couple friends there from back home that were going to school and stuff that I'd meet up with. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had to make a whole new group of friends through jo- a job that I got and, and whatnot. So, um, but it was a great learning experience. Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. were the top three things that you learned from that experience? Um, that's a fantastic question. One, to be a little bit more, um, independent um like there were times like that was on that was probably the first time that i felt um like lonely and like homesick um i've I've traveled quite a bit and stuff and i've i've missed lots of christmases and whatever and i never really feel super homesick i know that my family's there and waiting for me and they're they're happy for me that i'm doing things and seeing the world um but living alone in a different city especially I was in a relationship but I wasn't living with that person I'm like why am I here like is this the right decision it was the first time that I really got introspective and thought about um you know what what the the decisions I'm making now are kind of impacting the rest of my life and and that was a little bit daunting and and it made me a little bit lonely um but it also helped me be a lot more independent and start to think in that way of like the little actions I take every day are kind of you know compounding to um, dictate how the rest of my life is going to play out. So that was cool. Um, number two was like, just be open and friendly to every single person you meet because you never know who's going to, can be a friend. Like everyone is a stranger until they're a friend, right? Like yeah. it's, which was really eye opening for me. Cause it was like, you don't really, when you have a really good group of friends and a big group of friends, um, like I had in, in, in high school, 
um, you never really had to put in the effort with strangers. Like it's like they're there and if they want to come be our friend, great. But if not, like I don't really care. I have my own friends, which sounds really conceited. But if you think about it, like a lot of people operate that way, right? Like they don't really put in the time with strangers because they're like, well, I'm good. Like I've, I've got my friends or I've got my relationship or I've got my family. Yeah, I'm cool. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but you never know what will come out of a relationship. And I have friendships that I made during that time that I was in Toronto um, that I that I still hold to this day and would visit them if I went out there um, and follow their life um, with a lot of um, intrigue on, on social media and stuff. So, yeah, it's really, really interesting. And a lot of them have actually turned into things that have been prosperous for us both career-wise and stuff as well. So... The biggest thing I think I learned, I don't know if that was three things, but the biggest thing I learned for sure was was that and to uh, just to treat everyone um, as a friend from day one and, and be open to and, and treat everyone kindly and be open to um, to meeting new people because um, you never know what will happen, right? Yeah, it's a good attitude. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the time, like we'll, we'll see somebody in a big space mm-hmm. and we won't know too much about them, but we'll kind of look them up and down, feel like we could have them all figured out. Yeah. Make make an assessment, and that, yeah. that's who they are in your head, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing with, with how I am as a person is generally a lot of people think I'm fairly quiet and there's not much to me. Just kind of a blank slate. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so cool when a person, like, gives me that chance to sort of, like, open up to them. Because just like anybody else, there there's a lot of layers to me. Like, yeah. we're all like onions. Yeah. You just kind of peel open the layers. Yeah. Yeah. They might, the onion might look a little funny at first, but you just got to get to know that onion. Totally. And the biggest thing to me is like people, when they, when you don't like, I, I talk quite a bit and I'm pretty outgoing and I, I kind of have to be in, in, in what I do. But when I first meet her, if I'm in a big group of people that I don't know, like I'm quite quiet and I feel like you might be the same way. And the thing that we assume a lot of the time is that quiet people maybe just aren't like, don't have as much to offer because like they're not just you don't know what they're up to or what they're doing or, or how they are because they're not constantly telling you. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something society kind of, they always assume that um, the quieter people in the group are just like simpler and they can like, oh, it's just, oh, that's Chris. He's just like the, the quiet, nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Right? But it's like there's you have so much more to offer, but they don't give you that chance. And if you're not constantly talking about it and like um, just almost pushing it in people's faces then they they'll never kind of know so it's this with this weird thing that we're in with like so much in society there's there's so much um stuff going on and 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 uh, so many um so many things like so so many stimuli is the word i'm looking for um that it's that it's 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 weird like you want to kind of show off what you're doing because that's just how people will learn about you um but then you also don't want to come across as like arrogant and cocky and stuff right so totally it's interesting we're, we're on the same level there <laughs> so i want to hear more about your uh, university experience what was that like like did you know what you were going to do going out of high school what did you do what was the whole experience like yeah no 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 <laughs> <laughs> no um essentially uh my 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 parents were kind of like they were they were hover parents they they which i, I mean I love them for it. They they really pushed me and they and they really helped with those decisions. Um, but they always were like, education is important. You need to go straight to university. Maybe if you take a year off or whatever, you'll you'll never go back. Um, but so I, I went right into it. Um, right on, I went to U of A. I had good marks. I had the grades to do it. I didn't even think really about going anywhere else. Um, both my parents went to the U of A easy place to go you can still you can live at home save a bunch of money we have this beautiful world-renowned university right in the middle of our city which is not very common um and so that was uh, a really cool opportunity and and it didn't really even cross my mind to go anywhere else so went right into university mostly because that was just kind of like what you do in kind of my circles and and my family um and because i enjoyed science or did well in science in high school i went into general sciences um at the u of a um, with no idea, like, I mean, maybe a little bit of an idea of like, oh, medicine would be cool. And that might also be a little bit of a plant that was in my brain. Um, and like every kid in first year university, it's like, who's going to go to medicine? Like 80% of kids like raise their hand because no one knows what else, there's no, what other jobs are there? Like yeah. my dad's talking to me about being an engineer. I was like, I, what is an engineer? Like, what do they do? And he's like, 
everything. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what that means. You know what I mean? Like an engineer can, and I get it now after having friends who are engineers and, and being close to them in university. But at the time, it's so hard to know what you want to be right at, like at that age. So, um, I went into sciences, general science. Um, it was an eye opener for sure. Like no one's holding your hand. No one's doing anything. Um, so my grades suffered. They slipped a little bit. Um, I was put on academic probation. I like, well, I moved out in second year with some buddies, had some fun that kind of led to, um, my grades slipping a little bit. And just cause like, I wasn't really engaged. Like I was like, what am I doing here? Why am I here? What am I going to be? What am I going to do? Um, grades slipped, um, had to like meet with the Dean chat about kind of how I could come back and then continue to work on my degree. And, and we decided on a program that was called, um, it was, it was a bachelor of science with a specialization in environmental earth science, um, which was cool because I could see like, I have this at the end of my program. It's like, you finish these courses, you come out with an environmental science degree. Environmentalism is a massive movement right now. You live in Alberta where oil and gas is huge. Every one of these oil and gas companies has an environmental division. Uh, and it gives me kind of a purpose, right? Like, oh yeah, the, the, the world needs people who are thinking this way right now. So it's, it gives me a little bit of a purpose. So I was like, great, let's do that. I have a lot of the prerequisites. It took me five years instead of four to finish. But once I got into that path, it kind of worked out a little bit better for me. Uh, moved back home, focused on school, and ended up quite doing quite well. And then, so that's that's what I finished with uh, in university. Did you kind of go into that that uh, career path, or what, what happened afterwards? I began to. I started, um, I did three summers with uh, Alberta Environment, with the government here, um, which was an awesome summer job. Um, I was so lucky to have it, and, uh, and it was amazing. Um, as a summer student, and then I started working there right after I graduated as well. But shortly after, um, I was I was in that relationship that we mentioned earlier, and and um, some complications with her family led me to to move to Toronto. Um, I was kind of like, well, I'm done university. We've been doing long distance for a while. Why are we still doing long distance if I'm not tied here anymore? She had a year of school left, so I, I took off to Toronto, and that's what made that that move that we had chatted about earlier. And I and also at the time I was kind of like, okay, this was a great summer job, but uh, I don't, I'm not really a guy who's going to just work for the government for my whole career. It was just, it was the, 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 the pace was really slow. It was pretty chill. I didn't really feel like I was making a huge impact and it's just not someone who's like super excited and to get out into the world and, and make their mark and leave a legacy. It's not really the place to be. Um, it was a lot of people who were like young with young families that needed something a little bit more stable, provide for their kids, provide for their family. And I obviously was not at that point. So I kind of felt a little bit like a, like a fish out of water there. So I, I, at that point I moved to Toronto and I was looking for something a little bit more in the, in the private sector. It was also in 2012. So it wasn't great economically for, for oil and gas, especially in the, like, I mean, when, when oil and gas is down, a lot of that environmental stuff is kind of the first to go because you don't really need them to make money. It's more just look good and try to make you a better company um, yeah. on the whole. But it's not like integral to like the business of the company. Um, so there's like there's buddies who are engineers and geologists and all that stuff. They're not working. It's like obviously as an environmental scientist, I'm, I'm also not going to be working. So and moving to Toronto, there's not as much out there either for that. So. Went out there, just worked another job. Um, that was kind of my first introduction to like heavy, heavy retail. I worked at a company called Sporting Life out in Toronto. Uh, and that kind of led me down the path that I'm on today. So when did you first start at uh, Lululemon? Because you were there for a while, hey? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was there almost three years. Nice. Um, so when I moved, I, I worked at sport check throughout uh high school a little bit just here in edmonton yeah. um selling skis and, and whatnot um i was a big ski racer growing up as well um so that kind of came naturally to me i liked technical education i like talking about products and and stuff like that and, and helping people find the right product for them so that they'd really enjoy the sport as well um, did that and then when I went up to Toronto, I worked at Sporting Life there and did the same thing. Was one of the one of the heads in the ski department there. Um, Sporting Life, um, if you're not familiar, is like it's in Calgary now as well. It's essentially a Canadian like Nordstroms. 
that started in uh, the north of Ontario, up in their kind of ski area. And so I worked there for a while. Um, and then when I came, hmm, my details are a bit fuzzy actually, but I came back, um, that relationship didn't work out in Toronto, came back home. Um, I ended up working for Labatt for a while as a sales rep for them. Uh, and then when I was still, in, uh, so I came back actually, was still in the relationship long distance waiting for her to come to Edmonton because that was kind of the idea. She ended up not coming to Edmonton. Um, this whole time I was at Labatt and when that didn't work out, then I was like, all right, well, now I'm just kind of like in this weird thing, like this weird funk. And I ended up leaving Labatt and going on, on a big trip. So I went on a big trip for the first time. Um, and then when I came back from that trip, um, a friend who worked at Lululemon actually asked me to DJ at Lululemon Kingsway for Black Friday in the store. I didn't, I honestly don't think Chris that I even owned a piece of Lululemon at the time. Yeah. Like I was like, what? She's like, just wear something kind of athletic. Like I remember not having Lululemon to wear to this event. Yeah. And they, they, they asked, they sent me up there and I played and I, I honestly like maybe I'd stepped inside the white have Lululemon a couple times, but just like never really even been around it or knew what it was about. Um, and I DJed this event and like the energy around me and the people around me and the people that I interacted with that worked there, it was just unbelievable. It just blew my mind. I wasn't looking for a job. I wasn't looking for anything. I was unemployed at the time, but I, I was just there for like a DJ gig. And, um, yeah, I just became like friends with everyone that was working that day. And the store manager, we had like an awesome conversation and essentially she was like, offered me a job on the spot, like come come work here and yeah. I was like I, I, I couldn't say no I'm like I'm unemployed I don't know what I'm doing I just <laughs> I just worked retail I enjoyed it um I, I'm down for the conversation at least right so met with her was they were going to bring me to Kingsway um Kingsway was full at the time so they they sent me over to the store manager at West Edmonton Mall um met with her and uh and chatted about kind of goals and what I wanted to do and and I uh and I started at uh, West Ed a couple weeks later uh, and then there was some on and off about being part-time, full-time, all this kind of stuff, but eventually just fell in love with the company and the culture and um, went full-time there for for almost three years. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, with Sportcheck, which stores were you at? I was at the um, South Park location. Cool. Yeah. Did yeah. you ever come across Murray Bischoff? No, I don't think so. Doesn't sound familiar. Yeah. No. He he was one of the managers at the West End or the West West Edmonton Mall location. Okay. And then uh, they opened up a location in Wetaskiwin. Yeah. And so I got hired on full time there, and I became like the footwear manager. Oh, nice. And then when I moved to Edmonton, I moved in like 2011. Mm -hmm. And then I eventually became a department sales manager for hard goods at the city center location. Oh, really? So we got sport check in common. Nice. I love that. Kind of yeah. cool. Like there, there's so many people that's like, I've kind of had the, the right connection at the right time because yeah. of sport check. Yeah. It's just funny how like we meet a person and then later on it's just handy that we had met that person because mm -hmm. it lines thing up, things up. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, one of the owners of uh, Raising the Bar Training and Performance where like I do my training out of, he was actually at the Londonderry Sport Check. Oh, no way. And so I had met him at a product knowledge session for, for hockey. Yeah. And so I knew who he was. I had him on social media. I have a few other like connections with him, but that was one that really resonated. And I was like, well, this guy is cool. Yeah, His yeah. gym is five minutes from my house. This will work perfect. Sure. And it's just neat. Like You never know the impact that meeting someone will have on you yeah um and like when i when i first heard of you it was basically because you were doing dj rides at spin studios and stuff and i was like well these are popular they're selling them pretty fast like he must be a really good dj and like people always say good things about him so that that usually speaks to who you are as a person like if you're kind of looking the other way and people are still saying nice things. That's, that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. And then we actually got to meet in person. It was at uh, Jordan Jeske's event, mm -hmm. the, the project, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Like if anybody's listening to this, make sure you check out that project. 
I think his next one's like a, a hockey skating one or something. Yeah, they're playing hockey in West Edmonton Mall. That yeah. would be badass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can pick up speed. I just can't stop. I'm not a hockey guy at all. <laughs> like as much as I played sports growing up, like hockey, never just played organized hockey. The not one time. sport no, that just you can't not it. Yeah, yeah. Just check it out, anyways. I'll see what I'm up to. I might, I might check it out. Yeah. Um, and from that point, then I started working at Central. That was kind of like my my job that saved my ass when I jumped all into fitness yeah and then ran into you there too totally well basically i was already at central then we realized we were both at central right and then we went to work after the project right which is funny and then i was like oh hey yeah yeah yeah, yeah like yeah, it's yeah. such a small city like mm-hmm. everybody truly knows everybody and if they think that they don't know everybody they yeah. probably know somebody that knows that person that they oh yeah know. like very small degrees of separation yeah yeah like it's it's hilarious and you have to be kind of careful like who you are like if, if you're not being a true authentic person mm-hmm. it'll you'll hear about it down point. the road yeah. kind of thing yeah which is nice it's pretty pretty simple to be just a nice human yeah like if you keep to that path then then you're good to go i agree just be just yeah be genuine authentic and be nice to people and you got it pretty much all sorted out i think <laughs> totally so Along with your uh, sort of career path, your your story, uh, you were at Lululemon for three years, but mm-hmm. then you left that to take on some new things. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So as you can tell, my the time after, like as soon as schooling ends for me, like things get a bit crazy. Like it just like there's all these weird timelines and time. Like I did a whole like there's a lot of jobs that we haven't even touched on, but there's like a lot of kind of contract jobs here and there, learning skills, figuring things out. Um, at the time, it was kind of scary because I'm like I'm bouncing around jobs. What who who's gonna want to hire me? What all this kind of stuff? And there's people in your ear that are saying like, oh, you should stick with the company and and gather some loyalty there and whatever um but it just enough nothing ever really felt right uh, and so i was doing kind of these contracts and taking the time in between those contracts to to travel and, and see the world and, and kind of experience things that way um and then i found so fast forward through all of that kind of mumbo jumbo found lululemon was there for a few years um pretty much the past up until a year ago. So last November, I was at, at Lululemon um, pretty much full time. Uh, and during this entire thing, I've been DJing as a hobby on the side. Um, so I started DJing in university, um, just kind of as a hobby in my bedroom on my laptop, kind of played some music at house parties and that kind of thing. Um, posted mixes online that friends would, you know, put in their ear when they're working out at the gym uh, or on the treadmill or at work or whatever it was um, and 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 that whole thing. And so that kind of just evolved eventually into actually me playing at bars and at parties and, and things like that. Um, and so in the background this entire time throughout those several years, I was I was DJing um, just kind of as a hobby on, on, on the weekends and, kinda, and not every weekend, just kind of here and there. And then when I came back to Edmonton, I was working for Lulu, made some awesome connections, started doing more like fitness things, started meeting people out in the community, learning about how important community is and connecting to those people. Um, and and started to it started to really ramp up and I started to play quite often in, in bigger bars, bigger clubs, bigger restaurants, um, making good connections and, uh, and, and using my DJing in ways that I didn't think I ever could, like fitness things and spin spin studios and um all different sorts of events right um and so that was great it was lululemon was the perfect um complement to the dj lifestyle i could work i had um, my manager let me have like this awesome schedule where i worked sunday through thursday and pretty much had friday saturdays off so i could dj thursday friday saturday night and have Friday, Saturday to recover. And then Sunday, my shift would start in the afternoon. So I could even sleep in on Sunday mornings. Um, it was pretty much nonstop. I'm working, um, seven days a week essentially, but, um, it let me do what I love to do. And so it didn't really feel that overwhelming. Um, but after three years at, at Lulu, I started to kind of feel like I was a bit in a rut and, and the DJing was like starting to take over a little bit. And there was things that I would have to say no to, um, from like on the DJ side because I 
was full-time at Lululemon as well. And things were getting, I was getting more and more responsibilities there and asking to take on different roles there. And, um, I don't know what would have happened if I just had to make a decision, but it was, it was lucky because my decision was pretty much made for me. Um, currently I'm playing ultimate Frisbee at, um, at a pretty competitive level. Um, and, and my team, uh, based on how they did in the Canadian Nationals over the past several years, was offered the opportunity to go to the Pan American Championships for Ultimate Frisbee, um, which was in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and that was last November. And so I said to Lulu, I said, "Hey, listen, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go down. I want to play in this. Obviously, my team's going. Um, it's it's not fully funded. Like I'm paying for myself to get down there. Um, so I kind of want to go for a while." Um, can I, you know, can I take, um, can I take a bit of a hiatus and go down and play this and travel around a bit afterwards? And I mean, you've worked retail going somewhere in November when you're an integral part of, of the biggest little lemon in the world is a, is a hard thing to do. And they said, you know, no, we, if you want to go, you'll have to like leave and then, and come back to Lulu after you come back. And I said, you know, that makes total sense. Absolutely. But I need to go do this. So I'm going to, I'm going to go do that. And, um, with kind of the intention of, of coming back to Lulu when, when I was done. And then, um, went on this trip, uh, and, um, I ended up bringing um, my girlfriend with me. Um, she had just finished all her schooling and, and we had kind of sat down and said, okay, well, if I'm leaving my job and you're done your university now, like how long should we go for? We were thinking like a month, hang out a few weeks after, after the, after the tournament. And, um, we said, well, what do we really need to be back for? Um, like, let's just, let's go as long as we possibly can. And, uh, and the way that weddings work for a DJ, you're booking them obviously like a year in advance. So I had some weddings booked for the next, um, like May time. Um, and so he said, well, why, what, what if we just go till May? Um, and, uh, and that's what we did. So we went on a six month trip through South America after that, that tournament, um, allowed me to do a lot of thinking about what I wanted to do and, and, and what was next, um, kind of in my life. Um, and I'd always had a goal, like Lululemon's big on, and on goal setting. And I'd always had a goal to start my own company and have my own DJ company, entertainment company and have, um, some people who would work for me and go do events so that I could do multiple things per day, um, especially weddings and events and those types of things. Um, because I was getting to the point where people were requesting that of me and I would have to say no. And I was like, this is not a smart business decision. I should be able to say yes to this. Um, and so fortunately I had these six months of, of traveling and sitting on buses and beaches and laying in my hostel bed and whatever to think about what I really wanted when I got back. And, and kind of make all of the moves in my head and had notes on my phone and everything. And um, when I got back to Edmonton, I, I went to Vancouver on the way home, chatted with some really close friends of mine um, about kind of these decisions and, and what was coming next. And um, and when I got it back to Edmonton, I felt super, super clear and was able to just pull the trigger on on everything and um, and start my own DJ business uh, and, and leave um, kind of that regular nine to five in the past, which has always been my goal because it's never really suited me and, uh, and started my own company. And, and, uh, and then that's what I've been doing since I've been back in May. So that's what 2018 has looked like. It's badass. Yeah. And then, uh, you've had a role with, uh, Poppy Barley too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the Poppy Barley thing was a bit of me hitting the panic button as soon as I got back. Um, but it also is kind of what I want to be able to do is um, supplement, like similar to what you do, you supplement kind of jumping into the fitness industry full time with kind yeah. of other things um, that aren't super, super, they don't like take a ton of brain power. They're not, they're not like taking a lot of your attention um, or your energy. Like they're just things that are there that can like supplement that income a little bit. And so it was a little bit me pushing the, the panic button because I'd never had the freedom of owning my own business. <clears throat> So when I started my own business in May, it was like the, the first day of that was just such a weird thing for me. I like woke up, it was Monday morning, everyone was going to work, 
And I kind of just like sat in my apartment and was like, okay, now what? You know what I mean? Like that's extremely relatable. Especially after I'd like I'd done all the, like when I got back, it was like boom, pedal the metal, right? Like I I moved back. I didn't have an apartment yet. I was living. I was like in my parents' basement. Yeah. And I just, every day I was on my laptop building the website, building the social media channels, um, going to the registry to register things, getting the insurance, all this like all the things that like were on my list to check off. Yeah. But then once that was all done, it's like. And that was also, that's not easy. Like I had a lot of people who are maybe thinking about starting up their own business. That's like really, really stressful. And it was for me, like that was a huge thing that I had to like overcome in order to make this happen. But once you kind of get the ball rolling, like yeah. it, literally everything you read that says like, just jump, just do it, just go, just try it. And then like, it'll work out. It's like a hundred percent true. As yeah. soon as you make that leap of faith, it's like, Oh yeah, this is actually isn't that bad. And there's people there to guide you. Like I was so nervous about like, how do I even create a business? Like, how do I start it? How do I name it? How do I get that done? I went to AMA and just like stood there looking around. Like I had no idea what to do. And then this like nice old lady who was like at the register's office was like, yeah, or, we, or the registry office. I was like, oh yeah, don't worry. I do this all the time. Took me into a room and walked me through like everything. She's like, these are the three types of businesses. And like, yeah. And like, so it was like, I like, I knew nothing, right? Like yeah. I'm not, I guess I was never in business in school or whatever. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that was, that was, that was kind of what I was doing. And then once I had that all figured out business bank account, all this kind of stuff, then that first day of like running the business came and like from being a whole life of like, you wake up and go to work and just like sit down at your computer and do your day. I was like literally sitting at my computer, just like, what, what now? Like, what do I do? Um, and you know, just started making social media posts and, and kind of writing on wedding buy and sells, trying to like get people's business and, and replying to quote requests and, and, uh, you know, figuring out contracts and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so at that moment I was like, okay, there's still, I still have a lot of like downtime during the week and like the middle of my day. Um, and I've someone who's been like, as you can tell, it was seven, it was seven days a week for three years where it was like, go, 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 go. Like there was, a, there was no downtime at all. Um, and to have that downtime freaked me out a little bit. So I was like, okay, I need to figure something. I need to get something else going. Like I have time. I should do something else. Um, and that's when I approached Poppy Barley and I knew Kendall from, from Lululemon. Um, she's an ambassador there. Kendall is the owner of, of Poppy Barley for those who don't know. Um, approached her about her men's business. Cause I did that with Lulu for a while, helped them grow their men's business. Um, and I was there for four months on a contract just to kind of see how it goes. Just like half time. Um, and it was amazing. Um, but it's a company that's growing like crazy and is doing so, so well. It was taking a ton of like more of my time than I wanted to. Uh, and at the end of the four months, I had a really good conversation with Kendall about you know, just like what my life was looking like at that moment. And, and by that time I had started to, to kind of figure out the ownership of business and, and how you kind of spend your time. And, and because you can work really hard for three or four straight hours, you can like, cause in the general office environment, you have an eight hour work day, but it's, it's proven and it's researched that there's not that much work going on in that eight hours, yeah. right? Like you're really only putting in a solid, solid three or four hours. The rest is like, you know, filler with meetings and, and maybe not being hundred percent productive. So if you can be productive for that three or four hours, and then you can have the rest of your day to yourself to look after yourself, go to the gym, work out, whatever that may look like for you. Um, and so once I started to figure that out, it was all it, Poppy Barley kind of was like, okay, yeah, you're, 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 it's, you're doing too much now. Um, it was great and I learned a ton and I'm appreciative for that. Um, but, uh, it just was, it was a bit overwhelming. And when I got home from even the halftime job that I was working at Poppy Barley, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm exhausted. I don't want to focus on my own business. So it was kind of hard. It was harming that. Um, and so at the end of that four months, we decided to, say bye for now I'll, I'll still help them out with things here and there but um and i would like to continue to do that with other businesses um be able to kind of be a consultant on the side or do things with sales and marketing um for businesses while i continue to run um my own my own company as well it's so cool because like a company like that for me from the outside looking in it, it's all brand with who you are like mm -hmm. you're it they're local they're fairly community focused like they're they're integrated into a lot of different events supporting a lot of like good people in the mm -hmm. city yeah. and so just it makes sense for you to do something better totally. 
and it's so cool that you're able to like nurture those those relationships that have started from past jobs past things and like move forward in in a positive way that is good for both both sides yeah no it's um that's a big belief of mine and after working at Lululemon is that community kind of aspect and it's the people you know and the people that you meet um, that really define who you are and what you can do and what, how you can succeed uh, and Edmonton's so cool and tight-knit like we said it's small and we were kind of talking about it in a negative way earlier but it's such a cool thing because the people who are doing things and moving things and shaking things they're all connected and to be part of that circle is is an honor and, and really really amazing um and it's it's a great thing to be a part of um and i think it's definitely the like i don't have technical i don't have a technical background in in business or sales or marketing or anything like that but it's just the people that i've known that i've that i can owe my success to because they are the ones who have like you know taken a chance on me and just the person who i am versus what you know maybe on my the piece of paper that i have hung up on my wall kind of thing right so um really appreciate the companies and the people that have taken those those um, those chances on me and brought me on board and, and taught me that kind of stuff and uh, and yeah I can't I can't stress how important it is to be connected and to like um, and really focus on people because at the end of the day that's kind of what is gonna is really gonna help you succeed that's what life is about we're yeah. just a bunch of humans on this planet yeah. to survive we gotta be nice yeah it, it sounds it sounds simplified but yeah. that really it really is we're all just in this planet trying to figure out how to survive together right yeah. so um i completely agree it's what life's about is uh, is the people you meet so who are the five most impactful people that you have met in your life Oof. i got all the tough questions that's a tough one <laughs> holy cow Five most impactful. I'll start with like the family side of things because those are people who I've like met my whole life and who raised me and that kind of thing. And um, I'll lump my lump my parents into one person, um, but they they're like very hard workers and they're they they push themselves a lot and they push me a lot, um, which is a good thing. Um, and it's also taught me to maybe not work at like work a bit smarter and not as hard. Like we definitely have different opinions on things, but, um, at least I have that like work ethic and like show up on time and do like, it's just crazy. Like I saw this thing, it was on Instagram the other day and it was like, show up on time and do what you say you're going to do. And you're already ahead of like half the pack. Right. And so it's like, that was really, really instilled in me from a young age, um, which has continued to continue to help me be successful. Um, and has, and has really impacted me. Uh, it's also impacted me in a way that like, I've seen, um, kind of what that like nine to five sales kind of working life looks like. My dad wasn't home a lot when I was a kid and stuff. He was always on the road traveling and, and working hard, um, obviously to support for the family. And we had an awesome life growing up. Um, but it allows me to kind of take a look at myself and say, Hey, do I want that? What do I, what do I value? Um, and as I get into an age where I'm thinking about starting a family and that kind of stuff, it's like, what do I want, um, for that stage of my life? What do I want it to look like? Um, so, um, they have been incredibly impactful in, in multiple ways at, at, for how I'm going to live my life, um, based on what their values are. I can like take those, process them, and then kind of spit out my own version of that. Um... I also was really impacted a lot, and I think about my uh, my grandparents a lot. Um, my grandparents on the one side have both passed away now, but they were like, to me, they were like the epitome of like love in a in a relationship. Like they in their eighties were like they would never argue and they were always on each other's side. Even if they disagreed, they always supported each other. They held hands and helped each other out in, in that old age while walking up like a slight incline, you know, as grandparents do. Um, and they were always, they were, and they were nice and sweet to everyone they met. And so, um, there was a lot of times if I needed an escape that I would go over even like, I don't know if this, like, I think some people have this type of relationship, but some people are just like, why? Like I was in high school and I'd drive over in grade 12 to sit at like 
my grandparents' house and chat with them for a couple hours just to kind of as a release and just to kind of like have a different opinion on on life and stuff and um now looking back on it i wish i would have done it even more because they're obviously so um so wise and so insightful um and had so many things to share like i didn't really hear about their life until like very late like how they grew up and the struggles they went through and i mean because of all those struggles is the reason that i'm here talking to you today and so um they were very very impactful in my life and and um um, I would like to work on um, having that. I have still have my other grandparents around and, and I want to work on having that relationship a bit more with them. Uh, and I would urge anyone out there um, to, to take the advice of, of, uh, of grandparents or elders because they just they've seen it all. They, they know sometimes they're not 100 percent there mentally. So it's hard for them to get that thought across those thoughts across to you. But if you sit there and listen hard enough, um, uh, they'll uh, they'll surprise you and, and give you some really good life lessons. Um, so that's number two, I guess, is those grandparents were super helpful. Um, oh, number two, I don't know. There's so many people out there. I would say, there were a lot of coaches throughout the years, um, that were super, super helpful. Um, I had, when I was really young playing basketball, it was, it was obviously dads that were helping a lot with the team. Um, I had, a uh, Mr. Suderman and Mr. Bose were my original basketball coaches and they just like, they were like the perfect mentors as far as like how sport should go and how it should be played and, and how like that level of compete should be and, um, but how to respect your opponents and, and, and work hard and, and practice hard. Um, and like how how to how to play the game properly um and leave your ego on the side and whatever so like from a very young age all of those things were instilled in me through uh, the sport that i loved which was 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 um really amazing and really helpful so um shout out to those guys as well and i've been lucky enough to have awesome coaches throughout high school and stuff too um modi amory was my basketball coach in high school um mr carter was my coach in volleyball in high school uh, they were both amazing human beings could talk to them about anything um and again really instilled the right values in sport um they weren't those guys who are breaking clipboards and getting super upset it's like they understand that these people are these kids are students they are kids uh and they're there to like have fun they'd obviously love to win but it's not the end of the world the the main thing is to to really have a good time and, and learn some stuff and and make some friends uh and that's the values that they instilled in us which was which was fantastic um in the work side of things like career side of things um i've met some amazing people and had some awesome awesome managers um a lot that i haven't really got along with like a lot of people that i've met throughout my career don't manage the way that that a way that works for me um the the first manager that i have felt a real connection with and been in awe of honestly um is my manager recently at lululemon um her name is caitlin mcintyre she you probably know who she is she's very significant in um in lululemon in edmonton and she's a store manager of west edmonton mall right now and it's interesting if you're not familiar with lululemon you're gonna think like how why is a retail manager the most impactful person you've met in your entire life um but lulu really uh, attracts amazing people and the way that caitlin is able to lead putting her people first and leading with fun and it, it almost it it's amazing how elegant she leads without really boss bossing anyone around or it's it's almost like she's your friend and she's having fun and she's but she gets shit done like and that is what i'm so in awe of is people who can be themselves have fun be authentic and joke around while still getting everything done and and going above and beyond what what is asked of them and she does that amazingly and um 
during my time at Lulu, I was like, that is the person that I want to want to um, work to be, and and I'll carry that into other things in my life as well. How many is that? Four. Yeah, you lump so many of them together, so I'm like, that's fair. He could have been done. Right? I could have been done, but I like to make it difficult on myself. Yeah, you know? no, that was awesome. Um, yeah, if I if one comes up to me, one one comes to me when I'm thinking more, uh, I'll let you know. But uh, honestly, those were so good. Like I resonate yeah. with those. Like I yeah. I totally see it too. And just like speaking of of Lululemon, like the way that they built their company is so like. With, with so much thought mm-hmm. it's not so much a, a money machine like they, they do it so consciously mm-hmm. so that is totally why you would look up to a leader in yeah. that company yeah like and I, I I liked and I mean I don't know if other people would talk about kind of bigger figureheads like people a little bit more famous that they've met or whatever that have left an impact on them but to me it's the people that I interact with like on a daily basis and 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 see all the time that like really impact me the most um and try to surround try to surround myself with people like that right like you're kind of a manifestation i think of like the people say of like the closest five people around you or 10 people around you yeah and i think that's that's super true and it's important to keep the people that really mean a lot to you super close um being at lulu everyone there is just like unbelievable um so like-minded and and everything and yeah i think just just really impressed with uh how how Kate runs things. So that's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully she listens to this. I think she will. She I hope she cries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's awesome. We were, uh, we were hanging out at a wedding, uh, on New Year's Eve. So, um, yeah, she's great. And, uh, and, uh, everyone, everyone at Lulu who's listening, you guys are doing a great job. So, so keep doing what you're doing. That's awesome. Yeah. So I want to talk about music with you. Okay. Um, so when you first started getting into DJing, it was probably like you, just kind of liked putting playlists together mm-hmm. uh how'd you pick your music like you just kind of go through songs listen to the radio what do you do what's your strategy now or at the beginning take me through the whole the whole process okay i've always been musical grew up um playing piano and was in band and all that kind of stuff so i had the music kind of theory down kind of ingrained within me like just kind of knows i just kind of know what sounds good together or like how it goes so that that kind of helped with everything i honestly can't even remember why or like i can remember when but i can't remember why i started djing um or even like mixing music together or anything um it was kind of just it was a big thing like during university for me like in the first couple years it was just kind of when it kind of took off um and you know the the guys like David Guetta and Cascade and and all these guys were were kind of becoming household names like the Tiestos and stuff of the world like people they went from being like really underground like what's this DJ thing DJing has obviously been around for way longer than that but it really started to come to the forefront um, and I think I mean it was when I started when I moved out and was living with with some buddies in in second year university that. Um, some of the guys that I lived with and the guys that would come around were, were just kind of into, into like house music and EDM and stuff. And so, um, I think that was probably where, where those first influences came from. Um, I remember going to someone dragging me to a, a dead mouse show and it was like, no one knew who dead mouse was. No one knew how to say his name. It was like dead mouth five. Like no one, like, no, like dead mouse wasn't a person. Like he was yeah. like this like weird producer guy from Toronto. Um, and he was playing, I can't even remember where it was, but it was like not a big, like it was like a lounge. Like it wasn't even a big venue. Um, but it obviously doesn't exist today. I don't think, but it was like so small. Um, and I remember just hearing him and the way that he like, thinks about things and puts sounds together and how that turns into a song and all this stuff. And at the time people were like getting criticized for using auto tune and all this kind of stuff. I was like, it doesn't matter. Like music's music. You like heard that. And it was like, it doesn't, it's like, you don't have to have a guitar and drums and a singer and stuff to be real music. Like I think anything. And that was one of that kind of moment of clarity for me. Um, and I started to like, like really be enthralled with like 
sounds and, and music and what sounds people could create without instruments and stuff like that. Um, and like, how do people make these songs and like, why do people, I'm still really, really in, enthralled by why certain songs are popular and why others aren't like what makes the majority of the population like a song. Um, and obviously it has to do with like chord progressions and certain notes and the way it sounds in your ear. And if, can you guess what the next chord is going to be and all this kind of stuff? Like, um, chain smokers are a perfect example. Like they use a very formulaic way of making songs that they've found that people really like. And the biggest part of that is because the people who are listening who aren't even musical can kind of guess where that next, like what the next note is going to be. And there's no surprises. Um, and so that's, I mean, I digress a little bit here, but that's kind of what I'm really intrigued by um, with music. Uh, and so stuff that I originally just like took to things that like made me excited or made me move or made me go, oh, wow, like it just like it sounded good in my ear. And to this day, those are still my favorite types of, of songs. And that's my favorite type of music. When people ask what my favorite type of music is, I always say just like it's just stuff that sounds good in your ear. Um, and so songs that kind of made me feel good and, and get up and want to move and whatever, those are kind of just the songs that I would pick. Um, and I would start, I'd just like mash them all together and, and make a mix, um, that, that, that sounded good, post it online and, and people would start to start to really, um, react to it quite well. Um, and now when I listen to those mixes, it's absolute garbage. Like it's so bad. Yeah. I mean, some of them are okay, but a lot of them, like you look back and you're like, music was just a di at a different stage. Like I look back and I'm like, oh gosh, like why, why, like why, like I thought I put in like one of my original mixes and if people are listening, I have these original mixes. If you want them, let me know. I can send them out. I can repost them. But like I had these, I just thought I was like the, I thought cheese was kind of cool. Like where it was like, a song that everyone knew that was like kind of cheesy and then would like go into like a cool drop. Yeah. Like I had, I have this Pirates of the Caribbean remix that I put into like one of my original mixes that I thought was like the shit. Like it was like the be all end all. I was like, this is the coolest remix ever. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. But like going back on, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it's just so ridiculous. And I'd have things like the Beatles mashup, like all these things that it was like, it was cheesy. Like people knew the song, but then it was like a mashup of it or a remix of it. Um, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, and I still do like a bit of cheese and that's, I think what separates me from a lot of DJs is I like, don't have a chip on my shoulder. I don't have to play the coolest stuff. And that's, yeah. I think why I'm successful at central. Like Jesse talks about how he, the success of central comes from, um, not being like the coolest, newest, hippest place, but like over time, just kind of being a fun place that people can go out and have a time, a good time. And they kind of know what they're getting. Yeah. Um, and they can feel at ease. So you, we, you know, we play the hits from like the seventies, eighties, nineties. Now, like you, you can play Whitney Houston at midnight and people are going to go absolutely nuts. Like I, you were probably there when I played all I want for Christmas yeah. by Mariah Carey, yeah. like just before Christmas. And it was like the craziest, the bar went the entire night. Um, so it's stuff, it's stuff like that, right. Where I don't have this chip on my shoulder, this ego behind the music that I play. It's, it's about the people and not about me. Um, that I think leads to the success and how I, and how I kind of pick my music. Um, so I'm not that DJ who like knows the coolest up and coming underground DJ and, and producers and like, what's the coolest new track or whatever. Like, that's not me. Um, I'm more about how can I take stuff that is tried and tested and, and, and people enjoy and like to dance to and, um, and make that a bit more modern and smooth and, and, and fun to, um, fun to party to in the, in the modern, modern day. Totally. Yeah. Well, even like when you're DJing at Central on a night that I'm working, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Because like my anxiety over like going through the crowds of drunk people goes way down. Yeah. Like this is nice. Like I, I feel at peace. I feel at home. And you're, you're choosing familiar songs that we all know and love. Every so often you get like a good one that's appropriate for the moment. Like move, get out the way. Mm -hmm. Those are nice. Those are yeah. nice. Always helpful. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, you're just kind of being true to, to who you are and what you like and consistent about it. And it's just such a good thing to, to have in life. Mm -hmm. And I, I can relate to the whole like sort of picking corny songs with like the beat drop. Because like when I was an instructor at True Ride, I probably spent like six hours 
in a 45 minute playlist like mm. to, to put it all together like i got to the point where i was like snipping songs i was finding remixes on soundcloud taking like my favorite part and it could be like 45 seconds of that and just splicing it with other right. things like it was an art for me like i was trying right. to get next level yeah and there were things about that that were great and now i'm, I'm realizing like sometimes you just have to pick a cluster of songs that resonate with a person and just put them together and just own it like just just love that music and people will resonate with that because yeah. like that that's something that i miss about being a spin instructor is like spending all that time on music so it's ironic like last night i actually just decided i was like screw it i'm just gonna make playlists so i saw that yeah yeah i saw see you if post people that, like yeah. it yeah and that's so cool. i'm just gonna as if i'm an instructor or as if like people are looking for my music i'm just gonna post them yeah. And if people want to follow, they follow. If they don't, they don't. But I'm just going to have a good time. Yeah. No, I love it. And honestly, being, uh, we've talked about authenticity and, and stuff like that a lot in a lot of different ways today. But I find I get the best response from a crowd when I'm authentically into what I'm playing. So if like I'm playing the stuff that I love, like if I'm moving from track to track to track and, we're do- and I'm doing like 90s hip hop, R&B stuff that's just fun and it has that feeling of nostalgia and you can sing along but you can like dance to as well and I mean if I'm in that groove and I'm having fun that's when I think that the the audience has, has the most the most fun as well uh, and it's just because that, that energy is contagious and you can tell that I'm actually enjoying what I'm doing as opposed to you know, putting on track after track that I just have to play um, it's, it's, it's amazing when you can really enjoy enjoy what you're doing and how that energy translates to to the audience that's amazing yeah so we're at the start of a new year what are three commitments you're going to make to yourself this year oh yeah happy new year um three commitments to myself i'm turning 30 this year so that's a big one and it's weighing over me a little bit um not not too too much like it's not like i'm not worried about it but it's just I don't feel like I'm 30 ever. So it's, it's kind of, it's really just, it, it's jarring me into remembering what I'm at. And like, you know, things start to hurt a little bit and stuff and injuries with sports start to take a little bit longer to rehab. So the, the first thing that comes to my mind is a little bit of more of self care. Um, I'm not someone who likes to cook or eat well. Um, I mean, I like to eat well, but I don't like the work that goes into it. So I have a, I would like to commit to, um, eating healthier and eating well and, and planning those meals. And because I do have a little bit more of the free time with on my own business, I think that that's doable this year. Um, and I've, I've taken some steps to, to figure that out even at the end of last year. So, um, that's number one, a little, take care a little bit more of myself. Um, starting with, with eating a bit better. Um, the second thing I'd like to commit to is, um, growing my business. Um, that's obviously not a measurable goal, but, um, my goal, um, for those of you who don't know, I have an entertainment business, um, that now specializes in DJing, but I'd eventually like to grow that into having more vendors and more of a kind of a one-stop shop for your, for your entertainment and event needs. Uh, and so I'm working on bringing, um, other vendors on board that are, are like-minded and, and would fit the aesthetic of, of an event or a wedding, um, the same way that I do. Uh, and so I'm in the process of bringing on a photographer, which is really exciting. Um, and I'd also like to, um, this year, bring on a couple other types of vendors, um, whether that be, you know, a musician, a songwriter, or not a songwriter, but like a singer-songwriter, um, you know, a florist, or wh- whatever that may be. Um, so if you're listening and you're interested in growing growing your business, let me know, and we, I'd love to collaborate. Um and the third thing that I would like to commit to do this year um, is work on my relationships. Because I'm busy and I'm doing so many things, the lot I, I have a lot of connections, but not a lot of super deep connections. Um, and with a lot of my really close friends from, from childhood and stuff not being at Edmonton anymore, they're off, you know, crushing their goals and their dreams, um, in other cities and other parts of the world. Um, I would really like to dive deeper into the relationships that I have, um, in the city now or in my life now. Um, and kind of like we talked about with the move to Toronto, really, 
I have those connections. I have those friends. I have the followers. I have the, you know, the, the friends on Facebook, but, uh, and, and, and it's always pleasant and I like chatting with these people, but I, it's, I'd like to delve, um, a level deeper pretty much in all my relationships that I have. That's awesome. Those are really good. Yeah. So we're going to go to our last and final question. This is something that I ask all of my guests. If you could give one piece of advice on how to authentically live your life to the fullest, what would it be? Great question. Um, my, I'm, I'm sure from listening to me, you can kind of understand kind of what my take on it is. I think that if you, um, it's as simple as like being nice and just living as your authentic self. Like don't try to pretend to be anybody else. Do what makes you happy and be nice to everyone. And don't care about what other people are doing is the biggest thing, I think. I find myself comparing myself to strangers on the internet all the time. Yeah, I think like, we all do. Well, yeah, I, it's just the time that we're living in. Um, there's, there's, it's, it's just going to be, it's just harmful more than anything. So uh, just worry about yourself. Don't worry about other, what other people are up to. It'll cause you a lot less stress and anxiety. And, and then you're also not judging other people for what they're up to. Um, and just be kind. Um, and I think that is the, is the key. Uh, I do, I did, I have to pull this out, excuse me, but a friend of mine gave me an awesome piece of advice recently. Cause he said, he feels like I'm living my life this way. And when he said it, everything just kind of like connected, um, really well, but I can't, I want to make sure that I get the wording right. So I'm going to pull it up here. Good friend of mine named Dan Rose is doing awesome. Do you know who Dan Rose is? Nope. Anyway, he's he's doing awesome things in the city. There's um, your fifth person. Yeah, he's he's inspiring for sure. He does. Uh, he's he's big on um, his, historical stuff in Edmonton. So he's 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 working hard to keep um, the history of Edmonton alive and making sure that like these historical buildings and and stuff in the city are are being repurposed and not just like you know demolished for no reason. Um, and, uh, he's just, he's a big believer in Edmonton as a city, uh, and he's doing, he's doing cool things, um, around here. So, um, take, take a look at him if, if, uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Um, but the advice that he gave me, um, I'll, I'll just read it word for word here and I'm not sure where he got it from, but I'm just going to give him credit. He says the secret to happiness and prosperity is to monetize your passions and subsidize your hobbies. And then if you nail those things, you'll never work a day in your life. Maybe you know where that quote's from. But it sounds familiar to me. It's from yeah. somewhere, obviously. Yeah. But the cool, the thing that really stood out to me is to monetize the passions and subsidize my hobbies. And it's just that's so... that That's really stood out for me because I feel like this year I've started to really nail that without even realizing it. Um, with the ambassadorships at ARC and at X Therapy, you know, I really like fitness and sport and, and stuff. So I've, I've been able to um, subsidize those hobbies by becoming an ambassador with those places. And not that it was ever really the goal, but it was just like, it's cool that I've been able to do those things. And it doesn't have the stress of like having to pay to go to a gym and that kind of stuff. It's really, really exciting. And I'm able to promote um, local at the same time. So it's, it feels good um, in, in, more than, in more than one way. Um, so I've been able to subsidize those hobbies and then monetize my passion for, for music and, and DJing and, and making people dance and, and be happy. So that's, awesome. um, that, that's what I'll leave you with there. Perfect. Yeah. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Pleasure chatting with you, Chris. All right. We'll catch you next time. Absolutely.